Hello again, and thanks for downloading the Weekly Curio Podcast, the podcast that broadcasts Curios Weekly. I'm the Whip Theater's Tom Britton. And I'm College of Curiosity's Jeff Wagg. I think it's going to be our new tagline. I, I think it's stupid, but I like it a lot. As every week, we start this week with the first half of our puzzle. Okay, so what is the next number in this sequence? One, 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 two, one. What is the next number? They have discovered rare undersea boneyards. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this is very cool. I say that about a lot of the stuff. It's, it's That's why cool. we pick it. Exactly. LiveScience.com. Live Four rare undersea boneyards discovered. Fish, generally, you don't find boneyards of. I didn't think about that. Well, stuff gets eaten pretty quick in the ocean, and but but large animals like whales and whale sharks, in this case, it's very hard to find them to see what happens to them when they die. It's kind of like the elephants in the Serengeti. Nobody found elephants, so they thought there was an elephant graveyard. There isn't. But the ocean's similar in that. Large animals die, and what happens? Sometimes they wash up on shores, but most of the time, they just sink. And they get immediately taken back into the ecosystem. We crawled out of the oceans for a good reason, guys. <laughs> there was way too much competition. And that ancient, ancient, <laughs> ancient, amphibious-looking, dinosaur-looking, reptile-looking thing had a great idea. I'm going to go up there where nothing lives. That's right. The first things that left the ocean were pretty safe because there was nothing to eat them. But... Down in the bottom, there is something adapted to eat just about everything. And these things subsist just on dead things, falling from the top, coming down, and resting on the bottom. And it's a scavenger like layers. Mm -hmm. So picture the, a topwater fish, so an apex predator. Gets uh, injured but not eaten. It starts to mm -hmm. sink. As it moves through the strata, you picture it, there are scavengers existing at every sort of phase. So I'm going to make up numbers, but say mm -hmm. between uh, the very top of the ocean and 500 feet, there are fish mm -hmm. picking at it as oh, it yeah. goes down, die. Then you get below 500 feet, and there's a different kind of thing. Then below 1,000, you keep going till eventually it does land on the floor, already having been scavenged yep. a lot. And then here come the tiny crustaceans and the weird uh, sea cucumbers and anemones. The anemones? Yeah. Am I anemones, that? Anemones, Anemones. Yes. That feed on sometimes quasi-species specific, like families of fish right. will breed certain, or not breed, produce and feed certain kinds of scavengers. It's a fascinating, fascinating idea that they found this boneyard of fish and get to see this ecosystem, Yeah, I guess you'd call it. It is. This, yeah. And highly adapted. So you probably have heard of a lamprey. You know, we're sitting here on the shores of uh, Lake Michigan where there are lamprey that have come in from the sea. These are from uh, class Agnatha. They're fish without jaws. And the only other major group of this class is called the hagfish. Now, if you've ever had an eel skin wallet, they're not made out of eels. They're made out of hagfish. And these things are the creepiest, most disgusting looking things you've ever seen. Yeah, Google it. Oh, it, 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 Go next time you pull over the car or if you're on the train, yeah. Google hagfish. Ha Google hagfish and slime. Just uh, We won't go, yeah, that's enough for the radio. Uh, but uh, they are specialized to eat dead whales. It's like all they eat. They just wait around on the bottom. Oh, I hope a dead whale falls today. And then they tear <laughs> the Worst to sitcom ever. Yeah. <laughs> If you get a chance, you go to LiveScience.com. You can check out the, the story. They have a, a picture on Live Science. It's the fleshy head of a decomposing whale shark. You don't need to see it. You just pictured yeah. it. And then there's a Pinterest button to pin it. 
<laughs> I'm curious to do that and start a Pinterest account just to see what sick freak has a whole Pinterest board, I guess they make, mm-hmm. of those. Yeah, the, the part where there appears to be a fish swimming out of the eye socket is the, the thing that really gets the image. That's the name of his Pinterest board. <laughs> fish swimming out of eye sockets of other fish. The continuing theme of things scientists have discovered, the world's oldest sperm has been discovered, and it's gigantic. You're going to put some Pixies music in here? No, you don't have to. It's all right. It's getting a lot of play lately. Yeah, this thing, this thing's enormous. You know, we're, we're familiar with human sperm and mammalian sperm, which is lots of lots of little tiny tadpole guys. No, no, no. This is not that. This is just a couple or these gigantic things. I mean, you could see this with the naked eye. I mean... It's that big. This thing, it, so it's uh, 10 millimeters. Now, you may not be able to visualize 10 millimeters, but you can visualize 10 dimes stacked. That's how big this thing is. Not as wide as a dime, but it's as long as 10 stacked dimes. Why, why would that be an evolutionary advantage was what I was wondering. Yes. So we do numbers now, but this ancient, ancient, ancient creature had a different theory on how to make sexual reproduction competitive and thus gain evolutionary right. advantage. And I don't know for sure what the answer is, but um, there's a similar situation going on with ducks. Ducks are, uh, male ducks and female ducks are in a war um, because they're, they're, the way they mate is very aggressive and female ducks basically have to mate with any male that wants to. So they're, they're having, the females don't have much choice over reproduction and over the course of evolution, that ends up being a bad thing. So yeah, what, that selection by females there for a reason to right. look at, like a peacock has those feathers exactly. to attract a mate. The mockingbird, we impress them, right? and then we pass a test, but that test is important for her children. Absolutely true. Now, if you've noticed, most male ducks look exactly the same. Also, ducks are pretty dumb. That may be connected. <laughs> Could be, but... There is one way in which... Maybe if the gals had a choice in the matter, the ducks would have evolved quicker. (laughs) So the girls are choosing, and they're choosing in a very different way. They're going to mate with the male ducks. They don't have a choice in that. But the male duck penis has to be shaped in a very strange way to be effective. They're shaped like these weird inflatable corkscrew things. So think of that duck model where you have to have a very strange-shaped coupling... And then you can apply it to sperm, where the sperm has to be a certain shape and a certain size to get where it needs to go. And we've seen this in the fruit fly. Normal fruit flies, you know, you leave a tomato on the counter and it rots in the fruit flies. That kind of fruit fly, they have sperm that are six centimeters long. Now, six centimeters is, that's, that's a lot. That's huge. That's, you know, it's like the size of your hand. Uh, well, all right. Again, it's the length of your hand. Let's not be, you know, it's, right, it's a right, very, right. very thin thread-like thing. So how do you fit that in such a tiny body? Because a fruit fly is the size of nothing. And it's just coiled. Coiled and coiled and coiled. Just like you have, uh, you know, 35 feet of intestines or whatever it right. is. That's how it is. And they're shaped like that in this evolutionary war where the females can't really control the mating. So their internal structures get much more complicated and the males have to match. So the, the successful males have the longest sperm. And that's how it and works. And this is just another way of nature solving the problem. So if there isn't selection by preference, I guess, yeah. it's behavior, it's not thought. But that female looking over and thinking, oh, I like his song. I like yep. his plumage. I like the frills on the back of the reptile. Exactly. I'll go that direction. Then nature has to solve it with rough mechanics. Exactly right. Of, no, no, this yeah. has a gate and a moat, and there's a fence, and there's a guy, and yep. your father smelled of elderberries, your mother was a <laughs> hamster, you're not getting in. 
Yep. Nature and- just saw just one of the fun things about this particular story when they found this this massive old sperm is that one of the reasons they found this, you know, it's a soft tissue yeah, fossil they found in the left. cave. Right. Found a few of them, and it seems to be related to guano. Yes. It's yes. in a cave filled with bat poop. And I like this is directly from the story. This is WashingtonPost.com. So to recap, the world's oldest sperm was just discovered. It was shot like spitballs at female shrimp. <laughs> it's gigantic, was preserved for 17 million years in bat poop. Yep. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's your headline. Ain't science grand. <laughs> it's, it's very romantic. If you're planning a vacation this summer and you include Indiana Dunes National Lakeshore, and you should. You should. Don't go to Mount Baldy. No. Mount Baldy is there in the Indiana Dunes, and there are these holes that just keep forming in the ground. It's, it's like a yeah. nightmare out of the movie Dune. And they eat people. And they eat people. Yeah. This service message brought to you by Weekly Curio. (laughs) Weekly Curio, warning you vaguely of very dangerous things in (laughs) national historic places. So if you're not from the Midwest, you might be surprised to learn that we've got a ton of beaches. I mean, the the beaches in Chicago alone are incredible. And if you go around down the bottom of Lake Michigan, Indiana has this enormous miles and miles long beach with massive sand dunes, the biggest of which is Mount Baldy. Why is it called Mount Baldy? Because the largest sand dune there doesn't have any trees growing on it. A lot of the other ones do. Part, partially because because it's the largest, it moves. Sand dunes move. Um, you know, every time the wind blows, some sand goes over the top, and eventually that causes the sand dune to move. Well, this guy, th- this is the strangest thing. Geologists can't explain this, but holes keep opening up, and some kid got sucked in and into this hole and fell 11 feet and was trapped in there for hours until they could get him out. And recently they found three more of these holes. So it, they've closed it. You're not allowed to hike up there anymore. Well, they figure it out. They've, they've they shut it end. down because you know, the worst case scenario is a terrible scenario. Yeah. What a horrible way to go. If that kid, if no one had seen that kid, he'd still be under there and they'd think someone abducted him or something. Yeah. So Mount Baldy has a very peculiar history. Uh, one of the, I believe she's a geologist. I'm looking right now in the article, but Argyalian, forgive me, doctor, for messing up your name. Yeah. But she said, quote, this particular dune has a complicated history, end quote. And there's one of the problems. Uh, it could be decomposing trees beneath the sand could be mm-hmm. that caused the holes to form or we mined glass to make mason jars yep. and there are man-made structures such as jetties on the harbor right and that could contribute to an erosion problem which could contribute to these strange mathematical geometric shapes as a result which is why it's happening on that dune and not others yeah this- it's unique size yeah. placement almost it may blow itself out of the problem zone Eventually, but then blow itself back in. So it we kind of have to figure it out before we let you go cavorting about on it. Yeah, and and just because we figure it out doesn't mean they're going to be able to make it safe. Uh, there's a place in in Maine called the Desert of Maine. Uh, you can actually go to a desert in Maine, and and by desert I mean it looks like the Sahara. However, it's surrounded by pine trees, which is a little different. But what happened there was um, there was poor farming techniques, and all this sand that was uh, crushed. Uh, during the glacial period came up through the soil and ruined it. But it came up like 30 feet and engulfed houses. And because of that, there are areas you can't walk around there because, all right, think about it. You've got a sand dune on top of a house. The house is hollow. The sand doesn't get in there. But eventually the weight of the sand and water seeping through and stuff caused that structure to collapse and you get a giant hole in the middle of a sand dune 
And that might be what's happening here. There could be shacks or something like that. But anyway, it's a very strange thing. And right now, geologists do not have a solid answer for why this hole is eating people. How many moons does Pluto have? Well, the standard answer for years has been one. And it was Charon or Chiron or however you want to pronounce Charon. it. Charon. Charon. I don't think that's it. And they were, um, they're <laughs> so close. They were, you know, so the moon, our moon, Luna, um, is you know, fairly far away. Just imagine that distance. Now, bring the moon in so far that you know, an airplane could hit it. It's not quite that close, but that's how close Jim Carrey did are. that in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that I saw sounds that. like him. I saw that. So they're, they're so close together that um, Charon and Pluto are actually a, a double planet. But wait, Pluto's not a planet anymore. So it looks to me now, so here's my take on it. There are five. It's a dwarf planet, right? Well, yeah, a dwarf planet among many, many others. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The main reason Pluto's not a planet anymore is that there are other bodies out there that are bigger than Pluto. Right. And they would have to be planets too, so... Pluto now has five moons. If you haven't been paying attention, Pluto is kind of upset that it's been kicked out of the solar system, and it's creating its <laughs> own with Pluto at the center. Screw you, son. I'm making my own. And so right now you've got Pluto with five moons going around it, and they're all named after Greek um, underworld figures, like Pluto itself, god of the underworld. Charon is the boatman who takes you to the underworld. Then we have Nyx and Styx, not the 70s band, although they're fairly evil. And Kerberos, Cur- <laughs> which I think is a, a timekeeping software company, and, uh, and Hydra, you know, Hydra, the multi-headed creature that you cut one head off and multi-cut and many more. Also, isn't that a Marvel supervillain group is. or something? I, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, I think Pluto's getting its vengeance. Uh, you know, this could be the new home for Cthulhu. I don't know what's going on out there, but this planet, this X planet, used to have one moon, and now it has five. It's building up a moon arsenal it to is. attack the Earth. <laughs> it's got a long way to go. Measles cures cancer. Yeah. the actual, Take that, cancer. The actual headline I'm reading here says, Massive blast of measles vaccine wipes out cancer. Weasels cure cancer. (laughs) Eat weasel three times a day. (laughs) That's That's the secret. Doctors hate him. Have you tried it? How do you know it doesn't work? It's like guys name it as things doctors don't want to tell you. Weasels eat them every day. Uh, Kevin Trudeau. who That guy, he told me that weasels cure cancer. Enjoying his government resort behind bars (laughs) at the moment. Yeah, so you, you, you've probably seen this. It's been all over the news. Uh, so I, I did a little research into this, and um, we should be excited but not thinking that we're going to cure cancer off the face of this earth. So, um, Well, what cancer was cured? It's called we know? multiple myeloma, which is a particularly difficult cancer. Okay, it, and always there, uh, it kept saying blood cancer? Yeah, it's, it's a... You have... Uh, you, you, you have bad things in your blood that spread to other parts of your body and, and spread the cancer. It's okay. rapidly metastasizing, very difficult to cure. I, I have a friend with it who has survived very long, but he's had to have multiple treatments. And So the headline should say measles cures potentially one very specific strain of blood cancer in early testing. In one person. In one person, yeah. asterisk. So, then you just read the rest of the article. Yeah. So the measles vaccine is attenuated. Uh, it's it's measles, but it's not really measles. You know, you're not going to catch measles from it, or your tiny little, maybe you know, one in a million or something like that. But so what they're doing is they they load your body up with massive amounts of this vaccine, and they're keying the vaccine to attack the cells in cancer. That's that's my non medical understanding of how this thing works. And uh, you know, it sounds great that you have this this thing that kills things and it kills cancer. So. 
They've been doing it in mice for a while and had some success, and they found two people with multiple myeloma who had no hope. Basically, everything, all chemotherapy and radiation, everything was not working. They're like, well, what the hell? Let's try it on them, which I'm fully in support of. And the good news is, is that they both responded to it. Now, one of the people, after nine months, their cancer came back. But that's still huge. They were able to be cancer-free But if that happen with all cancers? You have remission, and then you have spontaneous regression? Sometimes. I mean, not a lot of the times, it's very progressive. You have this kind of cancer, and then it does this, and there's stages, and then you die. I mean, that's that's fairly common. But uh, in this case, they were able to completely eradicate cancer in one woman. Now, they never say that. They'll always say remission. It's kind of like, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous will never say you're cured. It's, you never know. Your, your, your cancer may come back. Um, but right now, they can't find uh, anything that indicates that this woman has cancer. And the other person was like that for nine months, and then it came back. So what we've done here is taken another baby step towards curing cancer. It is big news, but it's annoying how the media makes it sound like, you know, next year, all cancer is going to be cured off the face of the earth if we just get measles vaccines. You know what we need? We need a Neil deGrasse Tyson for cancer research. Oh, yes. Because we need someone with that gift of gab, that ability to dumb it down, but who, unlike us, has the well to go to of depth of knowledge. Absolutely true. And every time I hear those people on CNN, they will invite them on. They don't invite them back because they're boring. They're a little nerdy. They're a little, they're the people we hang out with. Yes. So they don't bother me. I like those people. Yeah. But on TV, they don't know where to look. They don't know. And then they start right. to wander down the nerd hole. Yep. They don't realize they're losing the audience. We need that person, that kind of good looking guy or gal to come from Johns Hopkins yeah. who writes a few books and goes on. And I, I don't know when that person will come along because the cancer yeah. thing is so specialized, so complicated that you once you dumb it down to the point where I understand it, you've dumbed it down too far. Right. It, uh, it's yeah. useless information. I know, oh, magic cures cancer. Got it. Exactly. Throw a weasel at the guy and he doesn't have the melanoma anymore. And that's the, totally makes sense. That's the dangerous thing is that people take advantage of that. There's this guy named Brzezinski who's got this clinic you can Google him. Uh, he claims to be able to cure cancer basically with urine. These things called neoplastons he's extracting from urine, and he injects them into you, and it cures cancer, except that it apparently doesn't based on any methods of modern science that we're aware of. He has dozens of trials, none of which have ever been finished. We don't even have results about them. He just creates a new one to make it look like he's doing science. And the downside is there are legitimate, more legitimate cures from more reputable agencies that also have unfinished trials. And so he points and goes, hey, look, I have yeah. just as much research as that John Sopkins guy did or that lady from, you know. So because we don't understand even how they test the cancer yep. cures, I can't even argue with someone nope. about why peeing on your cancer didn't work that year. That's absolutely true. Plus, he charges his patients hundreds of thousands of dollars for this treatment. It's a sure sign of snake yeah. oil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's the first sign. If you're writing a check... It cures a lot of things, and it costs a lot of money. Yeah. I would Google it a bit. But if you Google it, try and Google any kind of thing you think might be a pyramid scheme. Yeah. They spend a lot of money polluting the waters of Google. And I can imagine a lot of these other, these, these fakers, these charlatans out there in the world, one of their big expenses Absolutely. is making sure you can't find the data, you can't find the information, yeah. even if you understand it. So then you go to a doctor who uses 12-syllable words, right. you glass over... I, if they're out there, send them our way. I got a platform for yeah. them. I just don't know how you find that person who can walk that fine line. 
between smart enough to let me know you get it, so I trust you. Okay, fine, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And yet you can be dumb enough to be goofy and funny and accessible. Where's that person come yeah, from? I don't know. And, and it's kind of sad because they don't have good news to give you. You know, cancer is still a very serious issue. But someday that person will come along and that pay person will explain that chemotherapy comes from herbs. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. If you actually look at most forms of chemotherapy, where does this stuff come from? Well, may apples is one. Uh, you know, it... And, but no, no, no. Anyway, I, I can get very upset about this issue. But, uh, you know, let me just say this. I have known people in my life with cancer, as many of us have. And the ones who went through with chemotherapy and radiation and what modern medicine suggests have lived the longest. Those that haven't, well, they haven't done as well. So that's my two cents. We continue our weekly series, Wrong! Things about which we, at least, were incorrect. I didn't understand the origin of gringo. I mean, I knew what it meant. Someone calls you a gringo, you're like an American in Mexico, or you're kind of just not from where you are. And the I always thought it meant just white guy. Every yeah, Western I've yeah. seen, well, I guess that's because yeah. the way they cast him, the white dude was the gringo right. to his Mexican uh, partner in crime. And people said it was a, um, a bastardization of green glow or something like that, and it was supposed to come from the Venezuelan War of Independence or the Mexican-American War or the Mexican Revolution, uh, but no, it was actually none of those things. It's a screwed-up way of saying Greek in Spanish. So anyone not from Spain, like like the way the Amish refer to everyone else as the English. Yeah, the, the amongst the English. Outsider yes. became yeah. slang for outsider and then morph. I love yeah, I love the etymology of slang because it is so poorly documented that you can relearn. <laughs> right. The, oh, okay. No, we found a new thing in another book. Turns out all of that was wrong. Yep. So you get to learn the same origin of the same word eight times in your life. That's right. The Spanish word is griego. I'm not a very good Spanish speaker. Griego, and it turned into gringo. They, you know, you're, you're Greek. You're another. You're out there. You the other. Yeah. All right. The Library of Alexandria was not destroyed by the Muslim army during the capture of the city in 641. I had heard that the Library of Alexandria was under siege by a general, and as part of a tactic, they lit a bit of the city on fire. Mm-hmm. And it accidentally, oops, got the Library of Alexandria, that no one would have burned that amazing thing to the ground on purpose. It worth money. It's just fire, and it was a war, and it was a casualty of war. All of that is, of course, wrong. Of course. Uh, it's a common misconception about the Muslim army, alleged that Caliph Umar ordered the destruction based on a passage in the Quran. The passage, if those books are in agreement with the Quran, we have no need of them. And if these are opposed to the Quran, destroy them. Mm -hmm. So an anti-book passage. But that isn't true. This comes from the works of Syriac Christian and 13th century author Bar, is his first name, B-A-R, Hebraris? Sounds good to me. Good luck. He might have copied it from another Muslim author. So it appears to just be a story they got taken out of context or ran away because like the story I heard of this general with the fire, that's a cooler explanation. Yeah. You were telling me what actually happened in the library of Alexandria. Yeah. It just, uh, it kind of collapsed over time. The you know, economy collapsed. Some of the books, books, you know, scrolls were sold and it just like stopped existing as an institution. Like, this is everything. the exact same thing that happened to MySpace. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> We thank you so much for downloading and hopefully enjoying this week's Weekly Curio. 
I am Tom Britton of The Whip Theater in Edison Park, Chicago. And I'm Jeff Wagg of the College of Curiosity of the world. Of the whole world, all of it. All that remains is for us to give you the answer to the puzzle I can't solve. I have no idea. <laughs> Say right. it again, then give he, me the answer. He's going to be very angry with me. What is, <laughs> is it one of those like a couple of weeks ago? No, it's not quite that bad, but it's pretty bad. What is the next number in this sequence? One, 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 two, one. The answer is three. Why? Because these are the tones of a clock, especially a cuckoo clock, where it does the hour and then does one tone on the half hour. So 1 o'clock is 1, one thirty is 1. I'm sorry, uh, 12.30 is, I screwed it up, 12.30 is 1, 1 o'clock is 1, one thirty is 1, 2 o'clock is 2, 2.30 two is 1, 3 o'clock is 3, 3.30 three is 1, 4, 1. That's five, crazy. One, 6, 1. Oh, well, you could have left me in a room for a million years. <laughs> you would have come back to find a very angry million-year-old guy. 